Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 49, which begins with Fifi, Charlie, and Roop standing in a hallway, and it ends with Jesse waking up to an empty bed. I just realized the... Yeah, I just realized... The the beginning and end of this thing, it's almost like Max has completely disappeared because I've been mentioning him so heavily in the minute leading up to this. It's like, (laughs) oh, they're alone in the hallway, and then Jesse's alone. Where did Max go? But that's that's not exactly the case. These are just the specific shots that we end up with. Because we specifically start this minute with a shot of our other MFP officer standing outside of Goose's room. As Max has just exited that room and is kind of leaning up against the wall. Kind of catching his breath. Really wrestling with what he's just seen. Vis-a-vis his best friend, you know, after suffering a horrific burn. Yes. I really like Roop in this scene. Mm-hmm. I think out of the three who are experiencing and witnessing Max and his behavior and his feelings right now, Roop is actually, I think, acting the best. Really? Yes. Uh, we get a quick glimpse of the three, Roop, Charlie, and Fifi, standing there. And the look on Roop's face, it it tells me that... He knows what Max is feeling because he saw Goose as well. Mm. It was very empathetic, at the same time sympathetic for how Max must be feeling about his best friend. Yeah. He realizes that he, that Roop himself can't feel the same way about Goose as Max does. Because he's not as close to Goose as Max is. He he sees what this has done to Goose's best friend. Yeah. And I, I thought it was a really nice expression on his face. I, I'm glad you noticed that because I didn't really see it. But I, it's definitely a high praise for Steve Millichamp. Um, as I've... opposed to high praise for the character. Because I know that Steve Millichamp and the character in this scene are very tied together but i've been very anti-roop this whole movie and so the idea of being like praise roop credit yeah the idea of giving him credit for anything kind of kind of rubs me the wrong way but i'm definitely willing to give steve millichamp the praise as the (laughs) actor this is a good minute for the actor we only see him for like a couple seconds but those couple seconds are really great yeah with this expression now and then in a moment we'll see him again Mm -hmm. that you and i both noted was a great little moment oh absolutely so max as i said he's leaning up against the wall and he's catching his breath and then he just kind of stands upright and starts walking away and so fifi starts calling after him to get him to you know, debrief a little bit about the situation. And after the second time Fifi calls out to Max, Max spins around and he points at his boss and he says, that thing in there, that's not the goose. No way. And that is such a powerful statement that he is neck deep in denial. Yes. He's not willing to believe that that's actually Jim in the room. Yes. Now, That is exactly what I have in my notes and what we discussed prior to recording. But I was never 100% in that court. 
Mm-hmm. So I would like to propose an alternate meaning to this statement. Okay. I think that Max's view of Goose and the way we hear him talk about Goose in the next minute when he's talking about Goose with Jesse, he talks about how full of life and full of living Goose was. And that is not the person who is in that hospital bed right now. Okay. Those are Two completely separate people, the one who is dying and the one who was living. And we've mentioned before how black and white Goose is. He's either alive or he's dead. Well, he crossed that line now. Mm. He may still be alive, but he is no longer the full of life, full of living person that we have all gotten to know and that Max loves and is Max's best friend. He has separated those two beings from Goose the alive person and Goose the dying dead person. Yeah. Which I think is also a coping mechanism for grief. Yeah. Um, And... I think it can be paralleled in a less dramatic way to when somebody passes and you you sit around with your family and you're telling stories. You remember them the way that they were rather than them in the condition that caused their death. Yeah. So it's not so much he's denying that the person in the hospital bed is Jim Goose. He's denying that the Jim Goose that is in that hospital bed is not... The Goose. Because he does refer to him as the Goose, more of a title. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a different. Way that's of definitely at it. a different way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I don't know. Throwing it hundred percent into the camp of denial, I just didn't sit fantastic with me. Although that is the obvious. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the, the simplest the fi- way to see that line from I, Max. I mean, the five stages of grief is a well-known, you know, idea. Yes. And I'm sure all of our listeners are, you know, they're very bright people. They're all intelligent and good-looking and, oh my gosh, is that a new haircut? You look great. Anyway, (laughs) so the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. You don't necessarily have to progress from one to the other in sequence, but they're just kind of an observation of the general idea of human grief. Mm -hmm. that these are things that you often see people go through before they reach that final point of acceptance. Yes. And so I think this leans very heavily on the denial and anger end of this because he comes out and he's very denying that Goose is actually in this predicament. And then there's also a lot of anger in that he's... Yeah, he slaps his thigh with his gloves a couple of times. Making a really great snapping noise. Oh, yeah. It's it's a great sound effect. But... It, yeah, it emphasizes how hard he's hitting his thigh. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of physical anger and, emo- and emotion that he can't necessarily express. And so he's channeling that into swinging those gloves around and hitting himself. Just he's so upset about the whole thing. Yes. And before we continue on with the discussion of Max and his grieving, let's interject with Roop. Because at the same time that Max is slapping his thigh with the gloves, Roop uh, punches the palm of his hand. And it's pretty loud. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because you watch Fifi and you watch Charlie in this scene and they're both looking at Max walk away. And then Roop goes on and punches his hand. And yeah, it's so loud that they both, their heads spin around. And it's almost as if, they weren't expecting Steve Millichamp to do that. <laughs> at least that's the feeling that I get because they, they spun their heads around to look at him so suddenly it just didn't seem pre-planned. 
Yeah, I think no matter the scenario there, there's some great acting choices going on between the three of them. Mm-hmm. If this was spontaneous on the part of Steve Millichamp, then it just, it fit really well. Oh, absolutely. It it expressed to us that he is also in those stages of grief. He's also experiencing anger and frustration at the situation. If it was planned and he did exactly what he was supposed to do, the reaction from Fifi and Charlie was also really great. Yeah. The acting there, that they were communicating to us that they were kind of surprised at Roop's reaction. Mm-hmm. And so if, either way, it was, a, it was a really great interaction between the three of them. Yeah, plus if it wasn't planned, they stayed in character. Yes. They didn't like freak out or anything at the sudden noise or anything like that. Yes. And after they both snap towards Roop, they give each other a look. Yeah. And then they're caught by the snap at the other end of the hall from Max and they look back at him. So I so Fifi and Charlie on either on either side of them they have people who are reacting very outwardly mm-hmm. to the situation that they're in. Oh, absolutely. So going back to the stages of grief, I feel like in this minute and in more so tomorrow's minute and a little bit on Monday, we don't really see Max go through any sort of bargaining. Because there is no bargaining to be made. Like, it is what it is, and there's no changing it. And he doesn't see a way to bargain his way out of it. And he actually makes a comment in the next minute, which is the very last thing in the next minute, uh, that he says he's trying to make sense of, all, sense of it all, but he knows there is none. Right. So he knows there's no bargaining. Yeah. So I feel like we see his denial and we see his anger in this minute, and then tomorrow we get to see a bit of, like... Just this existential depression that kind of falls over him. And Jesse is put in that position where she needs to, like, support him. And we're definitely going to talk about that a lot tomorrow. Yes. Because it's a bulk of what it is. But I feel like he gets to acceptance not in such a direct way. It's kind of a little bit of a roundabout meander. Mm -hmm. But, like, when he does get to acceptance, I feel like that's when he goes and talks to Fifi. I mean, even if he is... a still a little bit sore about goose's death like enough time has passed between the accident and him giving fifi the note that he's going to give him that he's been able to just come to terms with it yes i think i 75 percent agree with you i also think that as we analyze those minutes i want to keep those stages of grief in mind okay because i think for the rest of the movie before he has a renewed sense of grief I think we're going to see more stages of grief. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I'm so thinking I, ahead and I'm starting to like, I'm starting to agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to keep those stages in mind as we see Max through the rest of the movie and, and see what we find. All right. Sounds good. So Max storms out of the hospital and we're gone from there. We don't go back to that setting for a while. The next thing we see is a nighttime exterior shot of Max and Jesse's home. And it's kind of looking out over the dunes, and we start to hear these just wild animal sound effects. I feel like that's a good way to describe them. Yeah, but I, even I spent then, a few they seem minutes like... thinking about what animals these are, and I gave up on that pretty quick. Yeah. Because wild animals make crazy noises. Yeah. 
And I was not willing to go down that rabbit hole on the internet of finding out what animals were making these noises. And then, and then watching it one last time, I kind of gave up on the animal noises idea and thought that this is the soundtrack to Max's nightmare that he's having. Right, because that's definitely the sense that we get because we go from that exterior shot with the, the weird sound effects to a shot of inside Jesse and Max's bedroom. Um, and Max is just having this, what you can assume is a terrible dream just because of how he's laying there and how he's breathing and the fact that he shoots upright in bed with this great, like the soundtrack is just building and building alongside these sound effects. And then as we get this blast of horns, Max just is up like a rocket, like sitting upright, I should say. Um, and his w- eyes are wide open, highlighted by this like red streak of light. Mm-hmm. And like he's got he's got the crazy eyes. Absolutely. I think what he saw in the hospital is tormenting him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's probably got these crazy dreams where the friend that he knew and that he loved for all those years is now some deformed burn victim type mm-hmm. thing and it's probably really haunting him in so much that he can't sleep yes yeah it's it's awful it's awful that he's being like emotionally tortured like this yes and i mean that's it's no one's fault well i mean it's well, it's johnny it's... and toe cutter's fault but it's like you know a roundabout way yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm still I would I st- actually say it's his own fault i still i still i'm still <laughs> looking at the person who decided to make milkshakes that one day and- <laughs> Back in Wee Jerusalem. I kind of see it a little bit as his own fault. Yeah, he kind of put it upon himself. Because he did not have to pull that sheet back. Mm-hmm. Now, he himself, for his, his own emotional needs, needed to pull back that sheet. Have a sense of closure, perhaps? Yes, like we discussed in the last minute. But Goose would still be dead. Max would still be sad. Max would still be in denial. He would still go through the stages of grief if he hadn't looked under that sheet. Right, right. Now, you said specifically Goose is dead. And we're never told specifically. We are never told that Goose is dead. In black and white terms by someone like Fifi or the doctors or something like that. Yeah. We're never told specifically that Jim Goose is dead. Yes. Now, this is an interesting point that I think we'll bring up again at the end of the movie, because if I remember correctly, it's kind of the same thing with Jesse. Well, hold on. No, Fifi oh? says, all right, so the goose bought it. But but he said that like five seconds after Max was in the room with him, the ventilator was going. Yeah. If the ventilator is going, that means he's still alive. Unless yeah. at the and, and and at that point, if he was dead at that point, they would have removed the framework and just covered him with a sheet. Yeah. They would have put his leg down. If he was dead at that point, they would have arranged him. Yeah. So a passing line that Fifi says, we're going to hear it on Monday, about Goose buying it. It's like, that's a bit of a euphemism for dead. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... I guess that's the confirmation we have to go with. Yeah, that's, that's all we get. That's really all we get. Yeah. And really, if Goose was able to survive that ordeal, like... He would never be the same. Yeah, the life that he would he have would... after that would be yeah. forever altered. And altered in such a way that he would not enjoy living. Yes. Or at least he would have to find another way it... to enjoy living. Yes. Because he wouldn't be able to do any of the things that he was able to do in his regular life. Yes. And nowadays, that probably isn't true anymore. Right. We have medical advancements where they could have done something for him and maybe done a lot for him. 
there are burn victims who lead perfectly normal lives. Yeah, there was a burn victim that got his whole face transplanted. Yeah. Like his face was burned off and then they put a new face on his face. Yes. Like he got a new face. He got a new face. And And that was in the last like five years, right? Yeah. Medical science can do that now. Right. But But. back in 1976 or whatever year this is specifically set in, like we said, we never really find out exactly what year this takes place in. Yep. Where were we? (laughs) We were talking about Max waking up from his nightmare. Before Max sits upright in bed, I couldn't help but notice that Jesse is completely wrapped up, completely covered in a blanket, and Max is like 100% uncovered. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when when our group of friends gets together, half the conversation is about how our husbands are furnaces. That's true. That's true. And I guess if if any of the people in our group of friends look like young Mel Gibson, you know, you'd want to show them off on camera. But at the same time, right. <laughs> like, she's Imagine... hogging all the blankets. <laughs> Just saying. it's Well, if he wanted blankets, then he should take them. That's true. He's having he's having terrible night terrors. He's probably he's not in the mood for not in the mood for a blanket. But yeah, I just couldn't help but notice how wrapped up she was and how not wrapped up he was. <laughs> so. I kind of get the sense that that Max is like too tough to need blankets. <laughs> <laughs> like curling up in a blanket and being cozy is a sign of weakness. <laughs> <laughs> and I am too strong for that. <laughs> well. If just like I'm too strong for my shirt. If wrapping up in a blanket is a sign of weakness, then I will gladly appear weak because because you love nothing more than wrapping up in a blanket. I love blankets. Yeah, blankets are great. <laughs> when it comes to you know fabric bedding technology, blankets are pretty awesome. Yes, you know. But would you say the same thing if you lived in Australia? That's true. If it was like really hot out, really high humidity, which I assume Australia has high humidity. I am going to get corrected on that. I'm going to be told exactly how human it is in Australia, and I am so okay with that. I welcome it. Yes. Please correct me if I'm wrong, because the only humidity I am familiar with is New England humidity. Which is just Which can get pretty ridiculous. oppressive. Um, I've lived in New England pretty much all my life. I spent a couple of years out in the high deserts of Nevada, so I know what dry heat feels like. I know what humid heat feels like. Um, I really love the idea that in a dry heat, the shade actually does something. That's not the case here in New England. Nope. (laughs) You can go in the shade and be just as hot and sticky as if you're standing out in direct Mm -hmm. sunlight, but that's And remember, in the summer, as much as we love blankets, in the summer, we go with just a sheet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's that bad. Because, yeah, nothing's allowed to touch you. Yep. Someday we're going to spring for uh, central air, but Mm. probably not in this house. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. So going back to Max waking up, like I said, we get the score that really builds and builds until we get this horn blast where he sits upright. We get that close up on his eyes. He's got crazy eyes. But then we fade to a a view looking out off of this back porch or back deck over the dunes. And that horn sting just lasts all the way through this establishing shot. And... I'm... I think I know the reason why they're doing it. Yeah. Because Max is out there. We can't right. see him, but he's out there. We can see the top. They have like, um, almost like a porch swing type thing. Yeah. I think it's and like it's a... And it's got a covering over it for shade. And you can see the covering in the distance. So Max is out there. So I guess that's why they crescendo 
outside yeah. in the morning, but it's very opposite of the night before waking up from a nightmare red light. Yeah, it's just odd that they let it trail out for so long, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Like, I imagined they would have, like, cut it off sooner or something like that, but... I don't know. I'm trying to imagine it without it. And I just feel like it would stop too abruptly. But at the same time, I don't know, it just feels off some way. I don't know. Uh, speaking of feeling off some way, I'm looking at this shot that we're looking at out the porch onto the dunes. And it seems like, okay, the, the ground is there, like maybe one or two steps down mm -hmm. off a porch. Yes. We see in just a moment, Jesse walking out onto there, taking a few steps down and there on, then she's on ground level. We know from earlier they live on the second floor and that Max had to walk down an exterior staircase to get out down to the driveway. And so it's like, yes. how does that work with the layout of the house? I just don't quite hold on. Like, Okay, you know, okay, you know, up at Lake Massabesic, the houses that are on the lake on the, the southeastern side mm -hmm. where the the hmm the house front is very much a one-story house yeah and you go and look at it from the other side which i love to do like when the houses are for sale i always go look at them and fantasize about having a house on a lake uh from the back side the houses are ginormous yeah because they're just built into the side of the hill built like that. into the side of the hill now this is opposite yeah because it's, it's built into the side of the dune. Yeah, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea of... Which doesn't seem like the smartest thing because it is a dune. Yeah. And dunes by nature are somewhat temporary. There's a lot of vegetation though. So yes, I feel like it's and pretty that safe. Solidifies them. Yeah. I'm yeah. sitting here trying to wrap my head around this house. And of course it's no help because the the listing that we found for it way back, I mean... That thing is so thoroughly changed from right. how it looked in 1976. Yeah, it really doesn't, it doesn't help even visualizing the house. Doesn't even remotely appear the same way. And it's entirely possible that it's a different... Well, no, it's not. I was going to say that it's possible that it's a different shooting location, but it's not because we have seen shots from different angles looking at the house and you can see that the bench, the like porch swing type setup that they have yeah. closer down to the water. After we see this establishing shot shooting out the back of the house, we cut into the bedroom and we see Jesse waking up alone. And there's a couple of details that really stood out to me in this scene. And I think the same thing can be said for you. But what stood out to me initially was the fact that like all of their walls are covered with blankets, like Hanging blankets? Yes. And they have a giant stuffed fish at the <laughs> head of their bed. Yes. Like a giant stuffed koi fish or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just... it, it seems to be acting like a headboard. Yeah. I think that there are blankets or wall hangings maybe for two reasons. One, they live in some sort of apartment building. Mm-hmm. So it might be noise. Okay. Like a noise baffle. Like a noise baffle. I say we use a noise baffle in this room to try yes. and cut down on the echo. So that, that makes sense. Absolutely. And also pairing with the fish pillow, Jesse seems to have quite an eclectic sense of style. Yeah. <laughs> which we have seen <laughs> evidenced around the house. And I think that these two details are also evidence of that. Yeah. Um, I noticed something sadder. <laughs> yeah. She, poor Jesse. Max is home. He belongs to her again. Yeah. And she still wakes up alone. Yeah, that is pretty sad. Yep. So, Jesse, poor Jesse, waking up alone. Yeah, that, that thought just threw me off. Yeah, because it's so sad. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and it's like she wakes up and she kind of like looks around a bit like, hey, hold on, wait. Yeah, he's supposed to be there. Yeah. So she she doesn't call out for him. Mm-hmm. She actually has zero lines in this minute and the next minute. Nothing. She says yeah. nothing at all. She doesn't call out for him. She just, she wakes herself up. She kind of slowly gets out of bed. Stage by stage, she's working on it. Yep. Once again, a scene with Joanne Samuel without pants. Without pants. And I mean, this is the second time we've seen her where she's just woken up. And it's, oh, so convenient that we always see Jessie when she's fresh out of bed, not wearing pants. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this pants issue. I don't know why either. I like to think that as she's getting out of bed, she seems very thoughtful. Yeah. So I like to think that she realizes what's going on and she's thinking, actively thinking about how to help Max. Yeah. What she can do for him. You you can tell you can you get the sense that she was able to read from his mood the night before that something is really bothering him. I feel like well, I would assume that he told her. Well, I feel like he keeps his work life and his home life so separately that maybe he didn't tell her, which is why he has to talk about it. Are you kidding? You really think that Max didn't tell Jesse that Goose was dead? Of course he told her. I certainly hope so, but this is the same guy that didn't want to tell her about the awesome car chase he had earlier in the day. And now granted, car chase versus death of a best best friend, friend. not on the same level. I'm going to abandon that theory because I think it's dumb. Okay, I'll allow it. Okay. (laughs) Oh boy. So so I think she takes like an extra moment and comes up with a plan Mm -hmm. on how to help him. Now, before we move away from the bed, I just want to note... How annoying that bed is because it's pushed up against the wall. Yeah. And which is probably fine when he's off for like several days at a time. Right. And maybe that's one reason why it's okay is because he's there, we'll say, one night out of three. Yeah. Also, maybe another way to tell us that their place is really small. Yeah. Because we already know that the bed is in the living room, like a studio Mm -hmm. kind of setup. So that's definitely communicated that there's not room to pull the bed out, you know, a foot and a half so that she can independently walk in and get in and out of bed on her own. Um... She seems to know exactly where to find Max. Yeah. Like, she steps out onto that back porch and she looks out on the dunes. Takes thoughtful moment. And she seems to know exactly where he is. And we don't see her step off the deck until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you definitely get the sense that she knows where to look and she knows where to go next. Yes. For sure. So I assume that, like, it's his happy place where he likes to go and be alone or to think or to eat breakfast. I say out in the dunes looking at the ocean. That sounds pretty good to me. I know, right? Yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that tomorrow, though. Okay. Because it's a pretty sweet spot. Yeah, it is. Uh, which... I do think it's kind of a shame that when they were filming these scenes, it wasn't like a bright sunny day. Yeah, it was very... Although, I mean, that does lend itself to the mood here, yeah, but... Yeah, but it was overcast. It was, yeah, just... Yeah. I guess not every day in Australia is a perfect bright sunny day. Or do you think that's a myth? I don't want to believe that. <laughs> you think every day in Australia is perfect and beautiful? <laughs> I would like to believe that very much so. <laughs> Uh, but that brings us to the end of this minute so if you'd like you can check us out at our website which is madmaxminute.com you can follow us on twitter at madmaxminute and like us on facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute thank you for joining us for mad max minute number 49 we will see you tomorrow motorbikes and men take me to the